Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Pastor Ryan Loxmoe. Morning. My name is Ryan Loxmoe. I'm the small groups pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. Really glad you're with us this morning. I hope you all had a great 4th of July celebration this week. Today we are wrapping up our series, God Is, in which we've been looking at different roles that God plays in our lives. The first week we talked about God as Father and how he plays the role of Father in our lives. Uh, The second week we talked about how God is our peace. And last week we talked about how God is our fortress. This week we're going to look at how God is our Lord. We're going to look a little bit into what that word actually means. And, you know, as we've gone through this series... Adam has talked about how the more roles we know someone in, the better we actually know them. For example, if you know me as a friend, you know me pretty well. But if you also know me as a coworker, you know me a little bit better. So it's the same thing with God. There are all these roles he plays in our lives. And the better we know these roles, the better we know God. And I've got to say, I was the most excited about this topic when I looked at this message series. Because this topic, the concept of God is Lord, really did change my life. You know, we throw that word around a lot, don't we? Lord, when we pray, when we talk about our faith with our friends, it's pretty common Christian language when it comes right down to it. But I try to really make an active effort to think about what that word actually means. And if you do that, it will change your relationship with God. You know, growing up, I grew up in a Christian family. I had great parents. Um, They left a great spiritual legacy for me. And... You know, I just grew up in a great environment. You know, I went to Sunday school growing up, was involved in the youth group in high school and all that. And by the time I became an adult, most things about the Bible I'd at least been exposed to. I had a a decent general knowledge about God. But after getting married to my wife, Ashley, we moved up to Boston in order for me to attend seminary. And I thought I knew a lot. But, you know, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. That kind of thing happened. And uh, I realized when I really started studying the scriptures in depth that there was this serious deficiency in my understanding of God as Lord. I didn't even realize this had happened. It happened without me even knowing it. And I started to realize that this was really crippling my spiritual growth. It was this huge kind of blind spot in my picture of who God was. I had a really incomplete picture. But since then, I've been able to take some steps that have helped me to better know God as Lord and not just call him Lord. You know, before that, I had been using it just as kind of a name for God. Lord, Lord, Lord. It's just kind of a name, a title that really had almost no meaning behind it. And so we're going to talk about this morning. Now, as I was thinking about this message, I tried to think about some kind of analogies in my life of authority. Because when you think about it at its most basic level... A Lord is someone with absolute authority. And I tried to think if I had any relationships in my life through the years that could serve as an analogy to help me understand that. I thought about police officers when I may have been speeding and how they have some authority, but they don't really have absolute authority. I mean, I've got constitutional rights and all that. I thought about teachers I had through the years 
you know, they had some authority over me, but if there was a problem, my parents could get involved. There was a school board, all that kind of thing. I thought about coaches I had when I played sports, and they acted like they had absolute authority a lot, but they actually didn't. Same deal with the teachers. Honestly, when I think about it, probably the closest analogy in my life has been my parents when I was growing up. You know, if they wanted something to happen, if they wanted me to do something, they ultimately could make that happen. I, uh, I am not a morning person at all. And I've, I've sort of come to the point in my life where I've just accepted that. I probably never will be. And so there were times when I was growing up when I really did not want to get out of bed in the morning. And my mom would kind of go through this routine of coming in and, you know, she'd kind of give me a freebie of, hey, Ryan, it's time to get up, you know, kind of gently. And I would, you know, just continue laying there. So she would come in next and usually it would be, you know, flipping on all the lights and walking out of the room. And so then I, you know, I'd cover up with the blankets. Next step, come in, rip all the blankets off of me. So now I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I'm trying to sleep. And then this was when she pulled out the big guns. She would come in and she would get the remote control for my stereo. And she would go stand in the hallway from a distance and just incrementally raise the volume until I couldn't take it anymore. And I would get up and uh, so she could make that happen. Of course, she could always say, wait, wait till your dad gets home. So she had that card to play. Um, ultimately, uh, they had a lot of authority, but still... Nothing like actually having a Lord. And I think as Americans in 2012, we really have a hard time with this concept. Because when you think about it, the most powerful person in our country, the president, who is basically the most powerful person in the world, even he doesn't have absolute authority. He has to share power with the different branches of government. So he doesn't even have absolute authority. You know, really, even the word Lord, when you think about it, is almost never used outside of church circles. In fact, the only time recently in popular society that the word was even used outside of church circles was in association with a certain blockbuster trilogy that had a little short dude named Frodo and a couple of wizards. That's pretty much it. Other than that, it's just in church. So we don't have a lot of parallels to compare it to. Now, in biblical times, that was not the case. They knew what it meant to have a Lord, and they knew what absolute authority was all about, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's the danger. If we don't take time to really understand what Lord means, we run the risk of just kind of being a fan of God, a fan of church. I'm a fan of Jesus. He's pretty cool. But never actually following him because we end up holding on to power for ourselves. You know, God is called Lord over and over and over in Scripture. So that concept that's so hard for us to grasp as Americans in 2012, that is the relationship that he has with us. So we've got to take some time, think about what it means so that we can understand. So I want you to pull out your message notes, and here is your first fill-in. Understand what Lord really means. Okay, you've got to understand what Lord really means. This is the first step. Now, throughout this series, we've been looking at Psalms, to give us a clue as to some of these roles God plays. Um, so we're going to look at a psalm tonight, but, or this morning. But here's the deal. Just in the book of Psalms, if you were to search for the word Lord, it appears almost 800 times. Just in Psalms, one book of the Bible. So Lord, I mean, that is God's title, okay? So we're going to look at one of these, because it's probably a little bit too deep into the sermon to go over all 800 at this point. So we're going to look at part of one. Psalm 147, verses 5 to 11. Let's read it. Verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. 
His understanding is beyond measure. I want you to write in the blank under that, power and wisdom. Power and wisdom. By the way, this is a great habit to get into when you're going through scripture, you know, verse by verse or section by section. Just summarize out in the margin or underneath it kind of what that is saying. That's what this first verse is saying. It's talking about God's infinite power and his awesome wisdom. Okay, let's continue. Verse six, the Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Under that, I want you to write judge. Okay, he's a judge. Verse seven, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. Underneath that, I want you to write worship. Okay, he is worthy of worship. That's what that's talking about. Verse eight. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. Under that, I want you to write creator. Created all of it. Created everything. And then verse 9. He gives to the beasts their food and the young ravens the cry. Under that, I want you to write sustainer. Okay? So he not only creates everything, he takes care of it. He sustains it. Okay? Verse 10, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor in the legs of a man. Under that, write warrior. That's warrior imagery there. And then verse 11, the last verse we're going to look at here. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Underneath that, I want you to write loving authority. Now, that word fear, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, that's not like to be afraid. That means Essentially, acknowledge his authority. So you could read verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who acknowledge his authority in those who hope in his steadfast love. Now, I said earlier we use the word Lord a lot, but here's the key. You've got to use the word Lord with these ideas behind it. Okay, we learn a ton from this passage. That God is unbelievably powerful. He is wise beyond anything we could ever imagine that he's a judge between the wicked and the good, that he is deserving of praise, that he created literally everything in existence, and by the way, takes care of all of that stuff and sustains it. The greatest human warrior you could ever imagine on a war horse contributes nothing to his power, and he loves us. Okay, the bottom line is God has absolute authority over us and the entire world, and he loves us. That is a lot from just one passage. And that honestly echoes the, the biblical, broader biblical definition of what it means to understand God as Lord. One practical thing I like to do is pause. I get in the habit of pausing when I pray. When I call God Lord, I'll say Lord, and I'll just take a second after I say the word to sort of let that sink in. I just think about, he is so powerful. He created the world. I mean, anything I can ever even think of, he made it up. And I am speaking to him. Like, that is amazing. And so get in the habit of just pausing for just a second when you use the word Lord and really thinking about what that means. It's not just a name. Now, when it comes to the concept of absolute authority, we can learn a lot from the New Testament and kind of the time of Jesus and the early church. Uh, During the first century AD, when Jesus was living and then the church was growing under the leadership of the apostles, there really was one guy in the known world who had all the power. 
and he dressed a lot like this. Uh, by the way, we haven't introduced this yet. This is a new honorary staff member here at Parkway Fellowship slash mascot. Um, we call him Parker. And anyway, I think it's kind of rude that Adam never really introduced him to you over the last few weeks. So anyway, Parker, Parkway Fellowship, Parkway Fellowship, Parker. So you might be seeing him make another appearance in the future. So anyway, I'm talking about the Roman emperor. Okay, he had all the power in the world. And the church, early church, early Christians were persecuted because they would not say Caesar is Lord. They did not say that. And that amounted in the eyes of the Romans to, you know, a real challenge to Caesar's authority. They didn't like it when people wouldn't say that. And uh, so the church was persecuted. People were crucified, imprisoned, forced to fight animals in the gladiatorial arena for entertainment and all kinds of other terrible things. And sometimes they were even offered an out to say, you know what, just say Caesar's Lord too. You can say Jesus is Lord, that's fine. Just say Caesar's Lord too, and you can live. A lot of Christians took that deal. They didn't die. Um, But a lot of them did die. They refused to say that. So not only in the New Testament time was there political authority that was absolute in in the form of Caesar... But there was another kind of authority all around them because like 40% of the Roman Empire, millions of people were slaves. And they had masters. And they had absolute authority. And it was all around, that concept. Concept of authority was all around. So they didn't have any confusion about it. And actually, when Paul and the other apostles in the New Testament write about themselves, they call themselves servants of Christ. But the word they used for servants was the word that meant slave. It's like they were saying, look, Christ is my Lord. Not Caesar, not a slave master, Christ. They knew what it meant for someone to be in authority over them. And Jesus was their Lord. The concept was all around them. But the great thing for us is that God is not a tyrant. He is not a dictator. He is not a slave master like these other types of authority. He is a loving God who created everything. And he's all-powerful and he wants the best for our lives. And he should know what's best because he created us. and created everything like we saw in the psalm earlier. So here's your second fill-in. Make Christ your Lord. Make Christ your Lord. Now, for those of you who are not Christ followers, I have some amazing news for you. God loves us more than anything we could ever understand, and he wants to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. Sin separated us from him, but he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to pay the penalty for all of our sins and make a way for us to have a relationship with him. Let's look at Romans 6.23. This is where making Christ your Lord begins. Here it is. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, in this chapter, Romans 6, Paul has been talking about Christ being our Lord, and how before Christ is our Lord, sin was our Lord. That's kind of the default state, is that sin is our Lord, unless we make Christ our Lord. And you have these two halves of the verse that balance each other out. So let's look a little more closely at it. The first half, I want you to write in those three blanks on the left side, from top to bottom. Wages, then underneath that, sin, then underneath that, death. Wages, sin, death. Okay, it's from the first part of the verse. What Paul is saying here in Romans 6.23 is that if sin is your Lord, okay, if sin is your master, you earn 
death, right? Because wages is something you earn, right? You earn death. And death meaning just ultimate separation from God. If sin is your Lord, if anything other than Christ is your Lord, you're earning separation from God. That's what the first half means. But the second half has the amazing news. I want you to write the top of the second on the right side. Free gift, God underneath that, and then eternal life at the bottom. And if you notice, each of these three blanks are contrasted with the thing across from it. Okay? So if God is your Lord, not sin, he gives you freely. You don't earn. He gives you eternal life instead of death, separation from God. I mean, how much better is that for God to give you eternal life than for us to earn separation from death if Christ is not our Lord? I mean, that is amazing. And really the key to this whole passage is the last few words of the verse. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus came and died for us. You know, the only way to get that free gift that God has offered to us is to put your trust in Jesus and to make him your Lord. And by the way, that free gift of eternal life, it wasn't free to God. Just like when you give a gift to someone, it costs you something. It costs God something. He had to send his son who he loved so much to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. So how do we make Christ our Lord? A little later in this same book, Romans 10.9, Paul talks about this a little bit. And he says in 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and underline this last part, you will be saved. But God loves you. He sent his only son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. If you've never asked Christ to be your Lord, there's a sample prayer the bottom of your message notes on the back side. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before and started your relationship with God, I seriously encourage you to do that today. Don't wait any longer. Now, for those of you who are Christ followers, you're not getting off the hook on this thing. All right, I'm coming back around to you. How do you make Christ your Lord? Especially those of you who use the word Lord a lot. You have to ask yourself this question. In what area of your life is Christ not Lord. Okay? In what area of your life is Christ not Lord? You know, have you allowed other things to creep in and take power? We don't even realize this happens sometimes, but it does. So, for example, is Christ the Lord of your time? Is he Lord of your time? If you're not sure, take a look at your calendar. Can you see God in how you spend your time? You know, are you coming to church regularly or is it like a once every two month kind of thing? You know, are you prioritizing your spiritual growth by being part of a small group, praying regularly? Are these things part of your life? If someone picked up your calendar off the ground, would they be able to tell that Christ is your Lord by the way you spend your time? How about your finances? Is Christ Lord of your finances? You know, if you're not sure, take a look at your, you know, your checkbook, your online account there. You know, would somebody be able to tell Christ is Lord by the way you handle your money? Are you helping people? Are you tithing? Are you trying to avoid getting into deep credit card debt? Are you being wise with your money and saving for the future? You know, these are the things that, that show that Christ is Lord of your finances. And honestly, those two things, time and money, the way you spend those, that will tell you where your priorities are. Because Jesus said your heart follows where your money goes. And it's true. How about this? 
Is Christ Lord of your attitudes about yourself and others? Or do you just kind of say or think whatever you personally feel is right? If you're not sure, scan over your Facebook posts from the recent past. Think about some conversations you've had. How about your marriage? Is Christ Lord of your marriage? If you're not sure about that, you know, try to make a list of times in the recent past when you put your spouse first. Especially when it's difficult for you to do that. How about the way you parent your kids? Is Christ Lord of that? You know, how are you allocating their time? Are you prioritizing their spiritual life? Are they involved up here at church? Or is it really just kind of all about sports? So you've got to ask yourself these questions. Where have you denied him that authority that comes with him being Lord? Because if you're not, you know, in these areas, if your allegiance isn't to God, to Christ, it is to something else. It doesn't just evaporate. It goes somewhere. And so it's to something else if you're not actively placing yourself under God's authority. You know, for the early church, as we talked about, you know, calling Christ Lord meant not calling Caesar Lord. For you, that might mean not allowing what other people think of you to govern all your decisions. You know, it might mean the pursuit of money or possessions or status isn't your driving force. Because here's the deal. We need God's authority in every sphere of our life. I mean, that's just the truth. That is the biblical truth. And it's a process. I mean, none of us are perfect at this. But it's a process, and you've got to move that direction. And understanding what Lord really means, that God is all-powerful, and that he deserves to be the authority in our life, that helps move us in that direction of having him be in control of every part of our lives. You know, before seminary, I think when I look back, I was a little bit guilty of seeing Jesus as kind of teddy bear Jesus. That's what I like to call him. You know, that Jesus who loves us and forgives us and is compassionate toward us and all of that. And that is true. He is close, and he is our friend. But it's really only true if coupled with that real understanding of God's power and authority and the fact that he's Lord, which, by the way, if you understand that, makes the fact that Jesus is so close all the more significant. It really does. And that really changed my life spiritually. It changed my relationship with God when I started to take those steps to really take seriously what it means for God to be Lord. You know, I just, I had this incomplete picture of God. And honestly, the easiest thing is just to default to the Jesus is my friend. I mean, that's really where we default. That's easiest, right? It's not easy to be consistently, I'm thinking of God as an authority over me. He's powerful. He's the creator. We have to be active about that part of it. We really do. We have to be active about it because we don't default there. We don't default there. We default to Jesus as my friend, and he is, but you've got to have both pieces. So for all of this, it really is a daily decision. It's a daily decision to make Christ our Lord in all these areas, in every decision we make. And understanding what Lord really means, a loving God who's all-powerful, helps us to move in that direction. So we've got to continually reflect on that fact so that he can draw us closer. All right. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right there next to your notes. and Check a next step or steps you're willing to take today.
check on both the card and on your message notes because you're going to turn in that card and you're going to take the message notes home so you remember what steps you took. How about this first one? Become a Christ follower for the first time. I'm telling you, if you haven't started a relationship with Jesus Christ, do that today. I'm telling you, God loves you. And he's extended that free gift to you, that free gift of eternal life. And all you've got to do is accept it. So if you've never prayed a prayer like that one at the bottom of your notes, I'm telling you, pray it today. Don't wait any longer. And if you do, there are new believer packets on the inside of those doors um, as you exit the worship center here. Pick up a new believer packet on your way out. It will help you um, in your new walk with God. How about this second one? I want to make Christ the Lord of my time this week. You know, maybe for you this week, take a look at your calendar. I mean, take a look at your calendar and, and, and ask yourself, is God in this? How am I spending my time? Get it out there. Maybe spend a little less time on Facebook, a little less time doing some other things, and really start to prioritize your spiritual life. So make Christ the Lord of my time this week. How about number three? Make Christ the Lord of my finances this week. You know, sit down and take a hard, honest look at your finances. And think, am I honoring God in the way that I use my money and handle my money? How about this next one? I'll make Christ my Lord this week by fill in the blank. Maybe there's something you're thinking about as I've been talking. An area of your life that you really know deep down Christ is not Lord. Something where you have held on to power, kept it for yourself. Write that in that blank and start to take active steps against it this week. Maybe, you know, you just need to recognize his authority. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's your marriage and you need to start reading a marriage book this week. Maybe it's the way you parent your kids and you need to this week go out and buy, a, you know, a good book on godly parenting. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. How about this next one? I'll read all of Romans 6 this week. It's not that long of a chapter but it is an amazing chapter that talks about Christ being our Lord and how when we become Christ's followers, the things of the world are no longer our Lord. They no longer have authority or power over us, and Christ now has power over us. And the great gift that that is, it's an amazing chapter. It's, it's just an unbelievable chapter. Read it this week. Now, here's the last one, maybe for you. Memorize Romans 6.23. This is just an unbelievable verse. I mean, people have said that this is sort of the Bible in a nutshell, and it's really not that long of a verse. But it really sums up what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team come back up. Lord, I thank you so much for everybody here this morning. God, I thank you that you are the Lord, that you love us, that you have absolute authority over the entire universe, and yet you love each of us so much individually. God, I thank you how you sent your son to die for us. Um, and I think about the great cost that was to you. Lord, I pray for each one here as they think about this this week, God, that you would prompt them by your Holy Spirit to really think about you as you are and to understand you as Lord of their life. God, we thank you for all the blessings you've given us beyond anything we ever deserve, and especially the ones that we don't even think about. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. 
Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282. 